Hey everybody and welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy. Sitting right next to me here at the dining room table is Jenny. Hello. And 101 miles to our southwest, down in the nasty natty, is Megan. Never say that to me again. Okay. Just trying something. <laughs> I mean, it's if you not a that fun nickname, you'd be on the floor. No, John Moxley would love it. He he does not refer to his hometown as the nasty natty. I feel like that could be a term of endearment. No, he'd be like, you, you're such a nerd. <laughs> I would love to hear John Moxley call Andy a nerd. <laughs> that would make my day. Mm. Well, you know, this podcast gets bigger. Maybe we can have him on someday and, uh, and then he could do it. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. I would like to reference episode, whatever this is, back when you said I would never say Nasty Natty, you nerd. <laughs> uh. Uh, so, a lot of stuff to get into, but as usual, uh, superseding all other responsibilities and uh, and uh, privileges is, in fact... The Elite Beat, probably. I should have waited until you were, like, I didn't, I didn't know you had a yawn coming on there. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's the Elite Beat, Pop of the Week. All right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> what do you got for us this week, Jenny? Well, I don't have anything to pop because I Corvind. I've got a Ledson Zinfandel 2017. Pretty excited. It smells very rich and jammy. Oh, heavenly. Yes. I've let it, I, I poured it around 7. It's now 7.40, so it's been breathing for a little while. Yeah. So pretty excited to to try this. Okay, we'll give it a give it a give it a go. Jenny is taking a sip. Oh, pretty good. It's delicious. Yeah. Excellent like, mouthfeel. It's like it's thick. It's it's like a meal. Yeah. Is it chewy? It's chewy. <laughs> is it plummy? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I've got my uh, usual uh, Diet Coke since uh, what I'm like I'm about like two months now, no alcohol. I think. Yeah, yeah. Gonna find out about that in April if I can ever drink again. So <laughs> here's to you. All right. Love what an ominous Coke. description for people who haven't listened before. <laughs> Andy is not like. Two months sober, already contemplating falling off the wagon. He has sleep apnea. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like that needed clarification. <laughs> it got dark. It's like, I'm going to see my doctor, see if that's still necessary. <laughs> have you listened to the Giant Bombcast yet this week, Megan? I have not. You know, so I'm going to, minor spoiler for the Bombcast for you. Uh, I was I was heartened to learn that uh, I now have sleep apnea in, com- in common with uh, Jan Ochoa who uh, I think was also recently diagnosed. And he was talking about his struggles with the CPAP and whatnot. So, Oh, nice. You have like a video game spokesman to look up to. Yeah. And perhaps yeah. hear and uh, commiserate with his struggles. So Yeah. That's nice. I wonder, I wonder if he's drinking. I should ask him. I should go out on Twitter and say, like, listen, one uh, apnea buddy to another. Are you, are you, you still hitting your the sauce? Yeah. <laughs> We we've been talking that maybe maybe Andy could day drink. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's what I said. That was my alcoholic recommendation. I was like, well, you could just drink early so that 
Yeah. <laughs> you weren't hungover or you were hungover right when you were ready to sleep. <laughs> Hi, I'm the worst. Don't come to me for doctorate recommendations and advice. I'm very proud of you for not drinking. Thank you. All right. How's the CPAP going? Um, fits and starts. Uh, it's It's been tough. Um, a couple of nights I've been able to sleep through the night with it, but mostly it's a few hours on and then I'm, it's like 3 a.m. and I'm like awake. 3 a.m. must move. Sorry. Yeah. And Rob Thomas arrives and, and then Whoa, I, I, I don't even wanna, I'm too excited to go back to sleep, CPAP or not. But no, like <laughs> I, so I'll wake up at three and it's like, I have to, I have to be awake in like four hours and this is not, this is, I just need to pull, this needs to come off of my face now so I can sleep. <laughs> and then that's what I do. Yeah. That's fair. But it's, it's getting there. Yeah. Adjustment period except or expected, right? Yeah. All right. The worst. What do you have? Uh, what do you have for us this week? Wait, why'd you call her the worst? That's, she I mean, I declared it. The worst. What? Yeah. When? I told Andy like, to day like, drink like five seconds ago. after he announced that he had sleep apnea and as a side effect, he couldn't drink at night. I said, well, there's always the day. <laughs> that's just me helping you out. That one's free. I mean, honest to God, Megan, that's probably what it's going to end up being. I mean, <laughs> I, think that's- I can't, I can't maintain this for the rest of my life. <laughs> Things are getting dark over here on the Elite Beep. I'm going to add to it, though. Because I've Ooh, got shiny, it's it's shiny. It's um my final wink wine of this month. So mm. Gone through all the rest Megan, of them. It's April second. I got them on March fifteenth. Er, okay, the, the shipment okay. went. I'm I'm like weirdly in the middle of the month. They just do it a month whenever you subscribe. So I guess I subscribed the fifteenth of some month, and that's when I get my order shipped. So, so you don't got worry. your wine. You got your wine that we're talking about on this podcast, this all elite wrestling podcast. You got your wine on the Ides of March. Yeah. How appropriate on an episode where we're going to talk about Caesar being stabbed in the back. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that you made that connection because. Remember when Jake uh, Roberts showed up and he started calling Cody Caesar? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Okay, good tie-in because I've been, you know, I've been trying my damnedest to force themes on these wines that I'm drinking, and this one is called Matchlock. It's a Merlot, and I thought my my week tie-in was going to be sometimes uh, during matches people get put into locks, head, <laughs> wrist, various others, and so that's what that means. But in actuality, I googled, and Matchlock is apparently the um, mechanism on firearms, so less fun. Uh, but is that, is that different than a hammer? I, I it might have been replaced by a hammer. It said original, um, uh, first mechanism invented to facilitate the firing of a handheld firearm. That that thank you Wikipedia. Oh shit! All right. What's a hammer? It's like what you cock when you cock that, your pistol. Uh, yeah, like you pull thing. it back and it. Yeah. It it loads it loads a bullet into the chamber. Yeah. So. Um, I'm going to step away from that dark imagery and go with the Ides of March thing and also matches and locks and just use yeah, your imagination. Yeah, because there are matches. Yeah, see? That's, this is my weak, tenuous grip on this. So this is a Paso Robles Merlot from 2017. Oh. I've never had it. Thank you, Wink Wine. That was where my wine was. Oh, cool. All right. Unintentional connections. All right. So I'm going to try and open this with a sound and I will probably struggle as usual. 
Forgive me. Here we go. Ooh, that was good. That was really good. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. I succeeded in getting that. So, yeah, it's a Merlot kind of night because in Ohio, the weather has decided it's winter. And yesterday, it snowed. Gross. So, I'm going with something that's good to sip on a cold evening. That is also why I went with red, Megan. Excellent. Great minds. Well, cheers, y'all. Um, yeah. All right. Let us get into the AEW stuff for the week. We start with being the elite, and it was not 12 minutes long, but it was less than 20, so it wasn't a total disaster. It was like 15, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was well, another shortish one. Yeah, no, the, but like that 15-minute one two weeks ago was so like, oh, this is <laughs> this is what this show should be. But yeah. uh, so let's see. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any general thoughts on the episode? Um, I it's called contentment, by the way. I loved seeing the Skater Boy Squad and also Matt's kids showing up because they're freaking adorable. Matt's kids were on it. Yeah, he did wrestling moves to them, Damn or it. let them do wrestling moves to him. Why did yeah. you? Oh, you, that you, part you can watch up it for later. Me. You can watch it later. It, I I don't know if it's good or bad that that's the highlight for me that it's not anything to do with any of their bits, but no, it's that's just classic like, BTE. That's what I'm there for. Real life the right. kids and all, also the uh, the skaters who apparently include Brian Cage. I cannot believe the air that massive hunk of meat was getting on skateboards. He he landed that uh, that uh, uh, ollie. Yeah, I yeah I was. Shook. Kick flip, right? He did a freaking kick flip. I mean, I yeah, Kinda. sure. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not Tony Hawk. I don't know the names of these things. I don't well, even I know, know the wrestling names move from names. Playing Tony Hawk, but <laughs> <laughs> all I know I is was he more... he got airtime. I was more of a wave race kind of oh. girl. All right, that was my favorite game. Your franchise didn't go on, though, no, unfortunately, didn't. <laughs> It was, like, it was like they named fight. Wave Race 64 on purpose. It's like, this is all you're getting. <laughs> One platform. But yeah, it was uh, it was Matt Jackson, Darby Allen, Angelico, Jack Evans, and Brian Cage who were on the skateboard crew. And they said that Jack Evans apparently just started learning skateboarding the day before, but he was already like doing handstands. Of course I, he was. It's bananas to me, and he didn't hurt himself, which is great. I just, I'm surprised. Jack Evans, very good balance. Which Matt was doing it? Matt Jackson? Jackson, yeah. Darby was helping him. Nick, if of of the two brothers to be a skater boy, don't you feel like Nick has the more skater boy mentality? I don't know. I was surprised either of them. <laughs> He's like, honestly. He's laid back. I guess maybe that's more surfery. I Okay, I'm just thinking about the the, re- the respective years in which they were born. Matt is almost five years older than Nick. So I feel like when he was growing up, it was more of that X Games time. Because he and oh, I are yeah. at similar ages. And that Avril Lavigne song was really popular. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it really I was. Tried, I tried to skateboard once and I almost died, so I stopped doing that. My My brother had a skateboard for a little bit, but didn't amount to... Much. She also could not picture your brother skateboarding. Yeah. No offense. He also had a hacky sack. Oh cool. my god. 
<laughs> I think feel like those were the two '90s things you did, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Don't the stoners hang out on that grassy knoll over there? <laughs> Megan, did you see the? Uh, did, did you did did the uh, Cesar Bononi and Lugosaurus little interaction strike anything in you? Uh, apparently not, because I didn't write it down. So do you remember them encountering each other in the hallway and having a brief awkward exchange and then just passing by? I, okay. Yes, I do. So, I just didn't write down what it was about. This was them, as the Brits say, taking the piss out of uh, their their match where they completely fell apart and forgot what like spots they were supposed to be doing that I was talking about on last week's show. Oh, okay. Good. Good for them. I'm own it, I guess. If you're gonna do it, own it. Yeah, it was cute. Um, public swole announcement came back, and I know Jenny hates the public swole announcements, but she she had an important message, which was that the mask goes over the nose. That's a very important message. I'm so sick of the fear of seeing so many people without it over the nose. And you wanna say something. And I, I've never, it's been a year and I still haven't figured out the etiquette to like politely like ask someone to correct their face mask. I don't want to say anything to anyone. I don't want some Karen to go off on me and also film it as if they're doing the world a service by being a <laughs> crazy person. I, no, thank you. Like I will just avoid people with the mask down below the nose. But I did appreciate that finally public swole announcements like were applicable to me as a person, you know? that That's a useful one. I'm like, thanks, Swole. You came back and you brought a good message. It wasn't something stupid like before. Better than wearing deodorant, which, you know, you shouldn't yeah. need an announcement. We found out that uh, in order to recruit the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny, Matt Hardy had to uh, dip into his broken Matt character to kind of relate to them, I guess. Like, Big Money Matt wasn't really getting it done. No, and I thought that it's interesting now that we've learned that he can actively switch between them instead of before, where he seemed kind of surprised any time he switched from persona to to persona. Whenever he came back, he he wasn't. It's like he lost the time, but now he's yeah. mastered his mutant skills and can summon it whenever he feels like it. Apparently, do you think that has to do with um, his time spent in the Jacksonville swimming pool? From the stadium stampede. Oh, the... Um, when he kept switching. <laughs> the lake of reincarnation yeah. or whatever. Uh, maybe, yeah. Perhaps. I forgot about that. Could be. What if they're going to do another stadium stampede this year? I hope so. It's just right there, you know? The football team's yeah. barely even using it. They could do it with Pinnacle and Inner Circle. Yeah. They could. I, yeah. I'd be up for seeing what other creative weird stuff they can do if given access to that giant field. Yeah. Um, I guess the other big thing was Matt and Nick and Brandon Cutler kind of got into it, and Cutler was, you know, saying, I hate Don Hall at Callis, but he's right about you guys. Like, but although it was weird because he said, like, if, if it had just been you and Nick to Matt, then you would have won them, you would have won the match, the six man tag that they lost. But because I was there, we lost. But he was blaming it on them. But that sounds like a Brandon problem, not a Young Bucks problem, because he's the one who got pinned. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird circular logic sort of thing. But where he landed was um, 
or the part that I heard and wrote down because I was incensed was BT isn't what it used to be. The Dark Order have taken over. And I was like, hell yeah, they took over and they made this show funny again. Like, <laughs> Don't be coming for Dark Order, Brandon. It did go through quite a long dry spell before oh, yeah. the Dark Order it stuff started it, getting funny. It was, it was a, uh, what you call a fallow period uh, before they got back to it. But uh, speaking of Dark Order, I, I feel like Megan... I know that we haven't really laid out the rules on this, but I kind of feel like maybe you would agree, and I'm sure Jenny would agree, that we just skip over anything involving dicks uh, on BTE at this point. Yes, let's boycott like, them. Like, why, why give it any airtime? Here's the one bit of airtime I want to give it. Uh-huh. Carl Anderson said, all right, there's going to be a lot of cock talk, so if you want to skip forward, go ahead. And I was about to clip the skip button, except... The segment ended before I could make it there. He literally put that warning up on the shortest thing they've ever done. And I was like, thanks, Carl. A little late, you know? But I'll definitely be taking his advice for any future segments. There was like a decent amount of self-awareness in that, though. I kind of enjoyed that line. I got the impression it was like he was a little like sad that the feedback must have some feedback must have come in like, hey, guys do you just talk about your dicks? Like, you know, when the young bucks get a little, like, bitter about something that doesn't work and then they address it, but it's, like, kind of in a bitter way. That's what I got. But I was also like, I don't give a fuck if Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows are bitter about people hating their cock talk. They can fucking get over it. (laughs) That's my take on it. Well, they could just stop doing it is what they should do. Take that feedback and grow. If okay. they were here, they would have made a dick joke. And that's <laughs> yeah. how horrible it's gotten. Uh. I was trying not to, but Megan, you, uh, you, you picked I up the had, baton there. I just had to point it out. Um, and I don't know if you have anything else for the BTE episode, but I will say that apparently Marco has discovered the Spanish announce table, and he's planning on trying to put himself through it, but Dasha brought weapons, so I think maybe his idea is squashed. Where is the Spanish announce table? It's exactly. up in, like up in the stands, kind of like on a, oh. on a, like a another. It's like where there's like a level break. Um, I don't know if it's there when like they're at full capacity seating. I'm guessing not, but it's probably a good place for it because it's a good view of the ring and everything um, when there's nobody there. And also, yeah, you don't want to take up real estate around the outside of the ring because it seems like. They've already got that kind of set out for seats when there's crowds and yeah. um, wrestlers when there's not. When I went to Dynamite in Charleston, it was so the announce table. Obviously, the U.S. announce table was the TNT broadcast booth was where it usually is. It's often you know it's they have their set, and the Spanish table was across like kind of across the uh, auditorium on the floor. Uh, so yeah, that'd be harder to see. Well, they got monitors, I'm sure. Because honestly, like, if you're calling a TV broadcast, you have to call what's on the monitor because that's uh, what the people at home are watching. So, good point. you know, if yeah. you catch something out of the corner that's the camera's not on, then that doesn't do the viewer at home any good. And we know that that frequently happens, that the camera doesn't catch the move. It's true. That just calling it just highlights the shoddy yeah. <laughs> accuracy. I like, I really like, so I've I've had a big, Alex Abrahantes has had a big face turn with me after the, uh, the bad Cobra Kai. Um, uh, skits, because uh, I went back and watched the Freddy one, and I liked that. 
Yeah, see, I and think the like, skit itself was bad, not Abrahantes. And Penta says is Penta says is like one of my new favorite things on Dynamite. And uh, it's like I like I just I, I liked him in this skit too, with like he and Dasha and uh, Willie Urbina trying to prevent the goddamn gringos from breaking their Spanish announce table. Yeah, the Spanish announce team keeps it civil. They don't need wrestlers going through their table, messing up all their monitors. I respect the fact that they've kept their location secret up till this point. Yeah, and if absolutely. they have to kill Marco to keep it a secret, I I guess that's all you have to do. Yeah. yeah. All right, that was BTE. Let's talk ratings real quick. Uh, two weeks left. One week after this of, uh, of the Wednesday Night War. And it was a battle this week, actually. I'll read from Post Wrestling's John Pollock. AEW dropped in viewership this week while managing a top 10 position on the cable charts. Meanwhile, uh, NXT had a similar outcome as WWE Raw this week, which I don't know what that means. I don't even know why I read it because that's context I don't have. Uh, AEW Dynamite featured the long-awaited Arcade Anarchy match as well as Christian Cage's promotional debut and first singles match since 2014. The result... 700,000 viewers and a 0.26 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Drops of 7.5% and 13% respectively from last hmm. week. Sweet. Why did it... That's kind of low for viewership It was with much anticipated. It was Dynamite's second lowest figure of 2021 behind the January 6th episode, which was the night that featured wall-to-wall news coverage after the uh, terrorist attack at the U.S. Capitol. I'm actually surprised because I feel like this was one of the best dynamites in a while. Agreed. Honestly, you know what though? Like, if you had looked at it on paper and just judged it by its lineup, you maybe not. You maybe wouldn't have said that, right? Like, it was. It was. It was. I think it was the best dynamite ever. But that's only after watching it. Like for hype, hype wise, I could see why it wasn't a really big viewership episode. I guess that's true. I mean, we talked about how much we didn't care about QT and Cody's match at length last week and uh, yeah. had and some misgivings about the arcade yeah. anarchy potential. We, we don't we did not enjoy that feud. <laughs> I mean, I still don't, but I think that they managed to do something that actually yes, made it interesting to watch. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll but again, you wouldn't know that until you watch the show. True, true. Yeah. So, uh, okay, and then on the final episode before the two-night TakeOver Stand and Deliver special, NXT averaged 654,000 viewers and a .21 in the 18-49 to demographic, where it finished 12th for the night on cable. Wow. So NXT, really closing the gap. Like, I, .21 is a really good number for them in 18-49, to and finishing 12th place for the night is really strong for them. Um, this is crazy. Their viewership, overall viewership, fell 3.5% from last week, but their demo increased 50%. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Young Do you people think... don't care about Kristen Cage. I, you know, maybe not. <laughs> the I olds came don't. over to AEW and the youngs went to NXT. So, like, you know how AEW always loses 50-plus, but uh, this week, this is what else they lost. Women 18 to 49, adults 18 to 34, and men 12 to 34. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Now, of course, none of this means anything in two weeks because they're going to be <laughs> the shows yeah. are going to be on different nights. So we'll have to see. But I just thought it was interesting that NXT picked up so much uh, this week. Do you think? Did they have anything? No, because they're just. It's just like kind of they're just building towards. What's well, a go home show, right? Yeah, but the big show is like next week. 
I knew Jenny. Jenny's learning the lingo. And when you said the big show's next week, I immediately thought Big Show was going to show up on NXT. And I was like, no, he's on AEW now. <laughs> like, Megan, I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. I, so my my guess is that it's just it's WrestleMania season, and like. So the Raw rating's been doing a little better. SmackDown's been doing a little better. I just think it's like a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. Well, do you think people are jumping on right now so that when WrestleMania happens, they have like a couple weeks worth of knowledge of what's what the storylines are going in to yeah, WrestleMania? I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there's there's like regardless of the year, there's always there's always more buzz around WWE like right around WrestleMania. So it makes sense. And we'll see okay. if you know if they can maintain this. I expect them. I I'm going to go ahead and predict that they get in both an overall and a demo win next week, uh, in the final week because they are presenting like half of a takeover card essentially on USA. So because mm-hmm. they're doing a two two night thing, um, yeah. And I just looking at the AEW lineup, which we'll talk about later. Uh, I don't see anything that really could combat that. And I don't think AEW should even try to like, why, why throw everything at the wall when, you know, no, keep yeah. on a steady pace and with storylines that make sense. And yeah, this we'll war is you over. At the next paper. Like, it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's, it's the war's over. Like, you know, they already conceded they're moving. So let them, let them get one more win. One, let them get their second ever win on their way out the door. Yeah. All right. News guys. Um, I'd like to wish a happy birthday oh. to Mega. Is it Mega Parak's birthday? Mm-hmm. Oh, happy birthday, Mega. Wow. Our favorite barrister. Yeah. <laughs> um, is she doing anything special for her birthday? Could you tell by her social media? She had um, like an outside dinner with some friends. And I think she's going to. She, um, she plays guitar and sings like at some like, you know, open mic nights. <laughs> nice. In Jacksonville. Get it, Mega. Yeah, so I think she was going to do that at one of them. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. It's very right-brained of her. Yeah, no. she's a well-rounded Brilliant renaissance person. person. Absolutely. Maybe Brandy will attend one of these uh, open mic nights on Roads to the Top. Is that? I hope so. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I I guess that show will probably be like filmed. They probably filmed it in Georgia and jacksonville right like depending on when they were operating i would think they'd have to yeah i would think both of them all right news last week we talked briefly about aew running their first ever house show on uh wrestlemania weekend there on uh friday the 7th 9th friday the 9th one week from tonight actually when we're recording it is titled the house always wins and uh, tickets went on sale Monday, and as of yesterday, uh, Thursday, 177 tickets remain of the 1,080 put on sale. Are okay. all of their events betting, gaming related? But a lot of it. That's kind of that's one of the that's they're kind of. But like, are all? I'm trying to think. I don't know enough about all of those. All in, gear. all out. Full, Full gear, gear and revolution aren't aren't gambling related. Full gear yeah. not. Full no. gear, uh, because they couldn't seem to figure out a way to theme Adam Page 
getting ready for full gear just inexplicably turned into gears. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, okay, I guess that works, but it's kind of funny that they're just random, like, gear icons. Full gear. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so it's titled The House Always Wins. They sold all but 177 tickets. And interestingly enough, Dynamite, two days earlier, uh, put out 803 tickets on sale. And... 203 of those remain. So this house show selling actually a heck of a lot better than Dynamite. Something different. Yeah, that's what I think. And they've already like promoted like like title matches and and like there's a, you know, uh Kenny's wrestling on the show, Cody's wrestling on the show. You didn't say John Cena was somehow connected to it, did you? Just uh, just have like a fever dream about that. I must yeah. have. John Cena's <laughs> going to show up at AEW. Christian think- debuted, but John Cena's going to show up, don't worry. I think it's something to do with like the commercials for that show he's doing keep yeah. popping up and I like I think I'm like connecting I'm dreaming about like them somehow him like somehow coming onto Megan do AEW. you do you get those lower third graphics for Wipeout with John Cena and Nicole Byer on them? No. Oh okay. I only right. get lower thirds of um the AEW like upcoming things, events, matches, that sort of thing, but never any outside programming. Okay. Wipeout isn't in um, Megan's market. No, I know it's not. I just <laughs> thought I thought because it was superimposed on the screen, maybe it would carry over. But I guess not, not for. That's just TNT. Yeah, just right. future AEW matches or you know, like the the house Dark show results. <laughs> Dark results do scroll across the bottom. I am becoming yeah. increasingly less familiar with the names in those results. <laughs> so. Uh, let's see, uh, this is an update from, uh, last week with John Silver's injury. John Silver, this is from The Observer, John Silver will be out four to six weeks from the shoulder injury he suffered in his, uh, March 24th match with Darby Allen. It didn't require surgery, which could have put him out six months or longer, and there was no major damage. And then Dave, uh, is writing about, uh, this is good, good news for John, uh, last week's TV ratings were very notable because a- usually AEW starts strong in hour one and tails off in hour two. The main event segment is usually not the highest rated which is one of the reasons they open with a strong match every week. But Silvers versus Allen, which is key because those are two guys who are not stars at all when AEW was formed, was the high point of the show. The opener with Kenny Omega versus Matt Seidel did well, and they were they were consistent with 367,000 to 383,000 in 18 to 49 for the rest of the show before hitting 412,000 viewers in 18 to 49 for the Silver versus Allen match. Wow. So, all good for them. Good news. I mean, that that means they're creating new stars. You know, that's good. Yeah. Uh, also from Dave, uh, Eva Lise has not been used of late. Uh, somebody, a fan asked her about it on Twitter and she replied, if only I could speak. And um, what? That's she, ominous. Yeah, she's on it. So she's on a per event deal. Uh, she doesn't have an upgraded uh, full time contract. And the story is that. She does not get along with a few of the coaches there, which Whoa. I think is like Dustin. Not surprising, granted, given her track record of uh, burning bridges all over the wrestling industry. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. thought I had heard before. Um, maybe it was from Lucha Underground days, or so- sometime around there, or maybe it was when she showed up on Lucha Underground that she had apparently just not great working relationships with anyone she's worked with yeah <laughs> which is like not a great thing to follow you around when you meet one asshole you met an asshole 
when you meet ten assholes, you're the asshole. That's true. I mean, considering she's the only one I've ever seen on AEW television pull the, uh, the like, no-sell weird tension thing with Thunder Rosa, it, it seems like everybody gets along pretty well. I don't know. That, yeah. that was kind of a weird, unexpected thing when it happened. Yeah. Uh, so I was listening to Talk as Jericho this morning, and he had Christian Cage on, and it was I, I enjoyed it. They had a good chat. They're they're very good chums. And uh, one of the things that Jericho mentioned about Christian's debut is that after after Sting's debut, um, unannounced, TNT said, "Please don't do that again." <laughs> Please, any any debuts you do on Dynamite, promote them because it's good for ratings. So that means probably for a while at least, no surprise debuts on Dynamite. And that's why Paul White was announced in advance and uh, and all that stuff. I mean, I and get his it announcement a, of a of a coming yes. thing was announced, yeah. right? And that's probably why they did the Christian reveal, even though it was a surprise on pay per view instead of TNT. Uh, I so I get it from a TNT perspective. I understand what they're saying because ratings are the important thing to them. But as a viewer, it's exciting when people debut. <laughs> Except for when they say this huge debut, and then it's someone disappointing. Well, yeah, they should manage expectations better. But point being, <laughs> they like tonight. They weren't debuts, but we had you know we had some major returns in the main event tonight, and it was very exciting. And you know that's the kind of thing you get with debuts too. And uh, so I don't know. It's a bummer. Yeah. I hopefully they just find a way around that. Honestly, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like the surprise. Paul White is being announced, and then he'll have an announcement, and then we mm-hmm. just push it to pay per view. I, I guess that's how they'll have to manage it, but. I don't know why TNT doesn't see the benefit of hyping up a surprise to get ratings. You know, to me, it sounds like it would have the same effect as long as it wasn't, you know, like at least announce something's going to happen or somebody's going to show up. But you still don't have to necessarily say who they are. I don't know. I'm not a wrestle manager and I refuse to play the game when it comes out. (laughs) Uh, Final news item. This this one came out today out of friggin' nowhere. Uh, Megan, I don't think you've heard about this yet. Uh-oh. The next episode of Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions on the WWE Network is set to feature AEW performer Chris Jericho as the guest streaming over WrestleMania weekend. The news of Austin's next guest was teased with a countdown clock over the past 24 hours with the familiar sound effect used for Jericho's old uh, countdown entrance uh, video from WWE. Uh, John Pollock uh, editorializing here now. It's a stark contrast to the usual WWE policy of not acknowledging its competition, but given the importance of the launch on Peacock, it's a very savvy move to maximize interest for WWE's biggest weekend of the year. So, uh, the episode will stream on Sunday, April 11th, the same day as night two of WrestleMania 37. Uh, Yeah, so. What's your your reaction to this, Megan? (laughs) I'm really surprised Vince allowed this. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, the way that the way that Jer- I think it was Jericho was quoted in Sports Illustrated about it, he he basically said that Austin that he was he was watching an episode of the Broken Skull Sessions. I think it was like the one where the Undertaker was on with Austin. He said he and he texted Steve afterwards and said he really liked it. 
Steve called him like right after getting the text and asked him if he wanted to do it. And uh, he was like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like I have to ask Tony Khan. And then, and then Austin was like, yeah, I probably have to ask Vince. And then both billionaires were okay with it. Apparently. Honestly, those two men, not the billionaires, the, the wrestlers, seem like they have enough star power that they could just go and tell their respective people that they were doing it and not catch flack, but it's nice of them to ask. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, the Broken Skull Sessions, I don't know if you've ever seen an episode of it, Megan, but it's 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 Austin's podcast, essentially, but in, it's filmed in a studio, but produced by WWE, so I feel like if he just showed up with Jericho there one day, um, there, there might be awesome. some questions asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing I would love for him to do, honestly. Yeah. He's Steve Austin. That's his whole brand. Yeah. I really hope both of them are fully vaccinated based on that picture. That is not a six-foot table. It's oh, not yeah, like already, Shaq this, on Sports This has Center. already been filmed, of course. So there is, there's, they, they released like a teaser image from it. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, can I also ask, why would you say Born on a Friday, John Pollock? If you go, go, scroll down to John Pollock's bio, because bio at the bottom says, Born on a Friday. Is that a song lyric or a quote? John Pollock is a reporter, editor, and podcasting podcaster. Yeah. Why Why would you Why would you start off your like, Jenny, bio with Born on a Friday? don't get all the Pollock heads on our ass, okay? Just calm <laughs> down. We like John Pollock. He's cool. He's, he seems like a very nice man. Yeah. Um, we're not trying to start a feud, John. We no, love you. No, no, no. I'm not trying to start a feud. I'm just like... What does it mean? Like, why? What? What? What significance does that? Dude, I don't know. Like, but why? <laughs> like, that's his bio. Like, I feel like yeah. that's a song lyric or something, or a movie quote. It it sounds familiar, but I don't. I'm I don't know. Okay. okay. Please do. All Sorry, right. I'm not trying to start beef. We we uh we support you, John Pollock. Megan, let us get into dynamite. Let us indeed. All right. We open the Wait, show. I'm oh, sorry. Jenny found it. Or, or, that was some uh, it's, quick some, it's some like that fucking what's the astrology bullshit. I think that Friday that... is the day of Venus, which governs some interesting aspects of love, life balance, affection, beauty, partnership. John Pollock isn't out there Friday hacking, like people. cosmetics, so I don't necessarily think that's the connection he was making. Just throwing that out there. I mean, astrology, you can you can tie a lot of things to astrology generally because it's dates and weeks and, and days of the week. So so Jenny, I'm gonna call that BS no, I, and I'm gonna I think on. this is his meaning. This is when he Google born on a Friday. Uh, so you think that the first thing you Google for any given thing I is do. Like automatically I do. the answer. Well, because this isn't all that's on the thing. Like, when you Google it, that's all that's coming up. It's just this Venus bullshit. Sorry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are we fucking doing here, guys? I'm sorry. <laughs> Jenny's really intense about her astrology, I guess. Yeah. She's been watching too many New Jersey Housewives, and I'm sure they're all into that bullshit. I, I just can't. It's like, I'm sorry. It, it just triggered me because I watched too much Housewife crap, and they're all into that. They think it's interesting, and I it's was right. not. I was right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John Pollock. I, we, we fully support you. We, we think you do excellent work. 
please don't please don't twitter um there, i also will say i googled it and one of my first results is born on a friday album lyrics cleo lane is the artist so uh, just going to put out there that it's possible that it's some, again, some sort of music or movie reference that may or may not come up because that's a pretty general phrase. But I don't think it's going to have anything to do with astrology. I'm just going out on a limb on that one. Me neither. That All right. Dynamite? Dynamite it is. Let's get back to what we're here for. So uh, Dynamite opens strong as per usual. It is the um, hot dad match between... <laughs> Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian. Um, Christian Cage, as I think most people would expect, wins because this is his debut. And uh, the crowd is hyped as hell, though. Like, from the beginning of this match on, they're just chanting. And I wasn't sure if this was only wrestlers or or if the crowd consisted of actual real-life people because it's a tape thing, but... Either way, lots of chanting. Um, as I said, Christian gets the win, but I think Frankie had a pretty good showing too because Frankie dominated from the start. And what we learned is basically that uh, Christian is a little rusty, but can still hold his own. And that's good because he said he needs he's going to outwork everyone and apparently he needs to do some work. Um, you know, he's more a Batman, not a Superman. He's not totally unbeatable. He's, but he's good to go. So yeah, um, I thought this was a really good match. I thought it was really intense and, uh, kudos to both dudes. It's good opening to Dynamite. Did you happen to listen to the Christian Cage episode of Talk is Jericho today? I did. Okay. I thought this, no, obviously I, I watched that. I was listening to that podcast after I watched this match, but I thought what Jericho said about Christian's style really summed up what this match was to me, which was just something different from the like from from like anything else in WWE or in AEW. It, it was it was like it was like a kind of you know mid two thousands WWE style <laughs> match, which makes sense and. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially in a company where you don't see that ever. So I, I really enjoyed it. Like the pacing was was like that, you know, like there was a lot of it was slow and it built. And then there was a crescendo of a million like kickouts and stuff. Yeah, it was slower paced, but I never felt bored, which is mm -hmm. something I find. Um, I, I just tend to get bored when things are really, really slow with no purpose. But yeah. I also thought like it looked like. To me, like Christian was adding to the storytelling by um, taking some moments to uh, like rest almost. Um, like he would sit on the top turnbuckle, and one time Frankie actually pushed him off of it, which seemed really painful. Um, but he would also like lay down and hold onto the bottom ropes when Frankie tried to pin him and just to like get a minute of rest. So I thought either Christian maybe needs rest and is blown up. But um, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, this is him showing that uh, in storyline, he's been out of the ring for seven years. So maybe it's not just like all going to be super easy for him right off the bat. So it certainly wasn't easy for his inner biceps. I saw how re I wondered what Ooh. happened. Like what was the, the move that caused that? 
It was rough. I mean, it, they were it's probably just running the ropes. Yeah, it was running the. But yeah. there was probably one specific move, Megan, because like it definitely looked like there was maybe one that maybe pushed it over to like the oh. internal bleeding. Um, but I was really <laughs> impressed with this. Like I had pretty one. I didn't know who he was. Thought he was Edge Christian. <laughs> You know, that's close. <laughs> they're, they're close. <laughs> they were attacking. Um, but I was really impressed with this. I enjoyed it. But you know what, Megan? Frankie also sat on the middle rope for a while while Christian was outside. I thought he was playing like he was going to do that thing like guys do for lady wrestlers where they they push the rope down and up so that they have room to step in. And then when Christian got close, he sort of just like jumped away and i didn't i didn't know if he was taunting him or what because he he almost looked like he was trying to like let him in and then was like nope i I thought the same thing but then i was like i bet he was just resting (laughs) because like where else can you just sit like it's true and if you can make it look like a taunt then sure it works i i expected this match to be good but i think it exceeded my expectations and I'm glad because it's the dynamite opener and usually those are very very good um, and I think this uh, kept in line with that so impact wrestling they were on their they were on their game this week because on Wednesday morning they posted a 2007 pay-per-view match between Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian from <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like a ladder match and it was really good I think Caliber actually referenced it in the early in the commentary he didn't mention what promotion it was but yeah Oh, yeah, because he did say they, this was not their first time meeting. So yeah. way yeah. to jump on the bandwagon, Impact. Yeah, it was a smart move. It was it was a really good match. I enjoyed watching it again. I probably watched it at the time. So, All right. Well, I think that's a good start for Christian. And as I said, Frankie also you know, didn't look bad in this match. It made sense. He lost. He put up a really good fight. and uh, He took like, I mean, he took most of it. Yeah, he really did. Uh, I think at one point, JR said if we were judging on points, Frankie would be winning. And then that's about the time that Christian started making a comeback. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm I'm surprised by Christian. I'm glad he's here listening to the podcast with him on it. I think he's a really a nice guy. And he sounds like someone I will want to support. So kudos to Christian. He's scared of uh, he was scared of working out during COVID, so he built a home gym. Good for him. I like that. <laughs> you should be scared of working out. I liked when he was talking about how his his like nutritional trainer guy he got when he asked him like, "Well, how in shape are you?" And he goes, "Well, like if I was at a party and there was a bunch of dads at a pool, I'd probably have the best dad bod of everyone." I was like, okay. <laughs> so. He's like, I'm not starting with nothing. I can't imagine him out of shape. So I wonder, like, what I wonder what he actually looked like a year ago. I don't know, but I totally sympathized with him. Where he was talking about how, like, if you've spent your whole career like eating lean chicken breasts and vegetables, when you retire, all you want is that cheeseburger. And I've never spent any part of my life eating only lean chicken breasts and vegetables, <laughs> but I love a cheeseburger. So I was like, yeah, Christian, you enjoyed that retirement food life go have some fats you know you're allowed but oh well he's in shape now 
Uh, next up, we have a video Darby produced. So it's in black and white, obviously. And he's got Sting in his video this time. They're walking together on a bridge somewhere in Jacksonville. And Darby starts his voiceover by saying Matt Hardy's catchphrase, the truth is the truth. And then he adds his own little take on this and that um, the truth is Matt, Matt's body is breaking down and that he doesn't have what it takes anymore. And he also says that big money Matt, the character, is a f- reflection of all of Matt's actual insecurities. So, you know. I think he makes some valid points here. It's a weakness. Um, he he does kind of make some valid points. Um, and then he he's saying all this, though, in front of this graffiti sign that says money changes everything. And he's got one of those creepy homemade mat masks where he buys the cardboard standee and then just tacks the head off and puts an eye hole in it. So he's got one of those on. And then he tells Matt, all the money in the world can't buy real friends, real trust, or real respect. And if Matt wants Darby's respect, he's going to have to earn it. Because money doesn't mean shit to Darby, which I 100% believe is true to life. Cue a burning couch. Because <laughs> this is a Darby video. And then we pu- the camera pulls back and the burning couch is there. And Darby's behind it. And it turns out that the graffiti is just a piece of cardboard he has put up behind him. Because he's on his property. The sprawling wooded area. And not, in fact in a cityscape where the bridge would have implied he was. But yeah, this is Darby calling out big money, Matt. Good way to get, you know, the uh, contractually required uh, sting appearance in for the week. It's true. Sting did not appear to go back to Darby's tract of land with him. (laughs) He was nowhere to be seen after that initial bridge shot. So easy week for sting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Following that, we get another quick video package of Jade Cargill. She says she saw Red Velvet was shook when she arrived because obviously Red Velvet could tell that Jade had it, quote unquote. And yeah. uh, she tells Red Velvet, you know what? Keep talking shit and training every week because you're not going to beat me. And she calls herself like a bad bitch or she's no. that bitch. Yes, yes. That bitch. She's Sorry. very clear about being that bitch. That bitch. Which is... Another, along with Penta says, is another of one of my favorite new catchphrases. What's the Penta one? Penta says, and then whatever oh, Penta oh, says. Okay, <laughs> the Abrahantes catchphrase. Yeah. I thought it was like, what does Penta say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah Miedo. <laughs> yeah, me and me thought... in the ring. <laughs> Mexican. <laughs> Gosh, that's a catchy. I get that song stuck in my head every week. It's a good song. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jade's that bitch. She'll get back to that later in the show. Um, next up, we've got the huge exi- exhibition match. It's unsanctioned, which I don't think they had said before. I don't know if exhibition implies that, but um, that means that whoever wins, this doesn't count for their records. And also... I got from context later on in the match that what exhibition also means is that it's kind of supposed to be like a friendly game of pickup basketball or some other sport that does pickup games. Right. Because Cody last week in his acceptance, he said that, you know, I won't 
I won't break your leg with a figure four, basically. I thought he was just being nice. No, he was, but I think I think that was the thing. It was just like, okay. I'm not going to have a real match against you. I thought he was being condescending. He was being condescending. That is but he thought he was being nice. I guess that's a fine line for someone with that ego. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this thing turned out in kind of a mess. I'm not saying, like, the match was a mess. I'm saying, like... All of the fallout. Um, Arn Anderson Too many is people our, in the ring kind of mess. I knew that was going to be a Jenny criticism. I didn't know if she would be able to sit through this one. But Arn Anderson is our guest ref, obviously. Uh, I'm surprised he doesn't pull any bullshit. He actually refs. Um, and at one point, he tells QT, this is an exhibition match. Chill out. Because QT is going hard for Cody's injured arm and not respecting the rules of exhibition. There uh, is no winner at the end of this here match because what ultimately happens is um, QT at one point just turns unprompted and punches Arn directly in the face. Arn goes down. I mean, he's an old man, of course. And then QT slowly walks to the stage, kind of looking confused about what he did, kind of looking a little sorry, but then that fades and all of a sudden... The Nightmare Factory students that he has been teaching start attacking the Nightmare family members because all of these people were out ringside, I guess, to cheer cheer on this exhibition match. But it turns ugly. They turn on each other. And ultimately, QT's students come out ahead of the Nightmare family members. Um, QT beckons for Lee Johnson to be brought to him. And then he steps on his head. He... Um, also takes a minute to have one of those crazy heavy steel steps put on the stage. And um, Dustin, who has cut himself open at this point, gets pulled up. And then QT pile drives him on the steel steps. And just for fun, rubs some of Dustin's blood on... Um, what's his face? Bailey's ex-fiance? Oh, um, Aaron Solo. Yes, on his shirt... Aaron Solo looks surprised by this. I think if I were him, I'd also be like, don't do that. That's gross. <laughs> but it happens. And then QT is like, bring me Cody. And he looks like he's about to commit legit murder on him when he sets him up with his head on the metal stairs on the stage. He like puts his foot on Cody's head, grabs a metal chair. And I guess, I don't know, maybe he was going to de- decapitate him, I think is what the setup was. But before he can do that, Red Velvet runs out and starts like yelling at him to stop. What are you doing? Think about, think about this. It's like, you're being an asshole. I think she says, which, you know, that's not de-escalating talk, but okay. He is being an asshole. And uh, this is enough to shake QT out of whatever weird cloud he's in. He puts the chair down, he walks away, and Cody is left with Red Velvet uh, just standing over him, calling for doctors. So, you know, it's not great for the Nightmare family as a whole, but way more interesting of an outcome than I expected when this match was announced. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I saw some chatter online afterwards that... Like, there are too many factions in AEW. This is crazy. And I was just thinking, like, no, there should be more factions. <laughs> Everybody should be in a faction. Because it makes Factural. sense. People have people have friends, right? Yeah, and I think, 
just because yeah. you're in a faction doesn't mean you can't have like sub, you know, like the inner circle has tag teams in it. They have individual wrestlers, but then they also have the, the inner circle. That doesn't stop anyone from doing the kind of matches they would normally do. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. So I, I was, I was excited about this because it means a new faction exists and I, and I love that. This is, yeah. a, fa- this is a faction company. Yeah. They yeah. seem like they know how to deal with that and work with them. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. And it like, you know, you got some, some of those like dark uh, people in the mix instantly. Yeah. It's a good way to kind of bring them up if that's the plan and introduce people to him because I had no idea who like, I didn't know Aaron Solo's name, mm-hmm. but I knew who he was from BTE, but I didn't really know who the other guys were. So Nick Camaroto wrestled Mox on a dynamite squash a few months oh. ago. Like it was, but it was like, it was one where like he Mox gave him a lot before he mm-hmm. beat him. Uh, and then Anthony Agogo is, is a project that they've been working on for a couple of years. He was a, uh, he was an Olympic boxer in, 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 uh, England. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah, who, who had an injury. So his boxing career ended and, but he likes pro wrestling and he was recruited heavily by, uh, Cody and Tony Khan. So he's been training for a long time now. I bet you anything. TK is going to license. Oh, wake me up. Before you go, go. Honestly, would love it if some ex-boxer who looks very threatening, because he did look big, like, I can, I can see it when you tell me he's an ex-boxer, comes out to that song. Like, that would be amazing. I would love it. Gotta save it for his babyface turn down the road. <laughs> True. But, but no, I thought this was cool. I, You know, yeah. like, Nightmare Family was too big. Like, you know, they, all those people out there all the time. So split it up a little bit, and then... And then, like, kind of the underling guys have something to fight for. They can do matches on dark. They can do matches on elevation. You know, and and, and you can do matches on those shows now with these lesser lights that actually have some kind of meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That That is, yeah. I, I did think, I don't know if this, this makes me think of the part of the um, Christian episode of Jericho where Jericho was like, you know, Tony Khan is good at his job because he's good at managing like teams and he, he has like the starting lineup and then reserves and then up and comers. And I don't know, just making that comparison. I was like, Oh yeah, he does seem like he has a plan for most people, even if you don't see them every week. So maybe his, his mentality is actually really good and built for this sort of thing. Cause I don't think WWE has that same delineation and sorry to crap on WWE again, but like, it's such a different like um, mentality. I think, well, I don't know. You, well, yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at WWE and even when we were watching NXT every single week and loved it, it was like, you know, the, the best it was, I still think like that run of NXT in like 2018, 2019 is the best wrestling show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would know, even as great as that show was, there was no communication going on between NXT and the main roster. Like, like because every time someone would be promoted to the main roster, it was like they had no idea who they were or what to do with them or what the, what their strengths and weaknesses were. And and that's fucking crazy <laughs> because, because you know because they're all in your system. And I think that Jericho's right in that. 
they you know they do with dark and and and, and those those programs and the and the training schools they do have a good like minor league system set up and they are and they have shown an ability to fairly quickly cycle people up through that system yeah it yeah it it was an inter- it's like it clicked when he said it that way so good for tk and mm-hmm. maybe this is why AEW in conjunction with like the experience people he's brought on has been doing so well but i'm i'm glad to see people whose names i've read in the dark ticker like results ticker at the bottom <laughs> so now i know who they are and uh you know maybe we'll see more but the only question i had about this was um why wouldn't brandy run out it's not like a like the segment didn't require any physicality that's how you know she's that's how you know she's for real pregnant because they wouldn't risk it (laughs) i I guess but like there wasn't any threat to red velvet and i'm like where's his wife brandy's always you know been there to support him um but i guess they they kind of address the fact that red velvet showed up in like an interview segment coming up it's just i thought you know if all the things we could have brandy do running out and saying don't hit my husband with a chair it doesn't require that much, you know, that much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no shade to Red Velvet. She did her part. Um, and speaking of Red Velvet. Yeah. Uh, Red Velvet has a super, super, super brief interview with Dasha um, after this segment. And she, Dasha's like, hey. Why'd you come to the aid of Cody? And Ravidov looks like, well, he's my partner. I have his back. And then immediately Jade Cargill runs in, kicks Red Velvet's ass pretty hard because she's that bitch. Um, And then she also has a moment where she goes, I almost broke my heel and gets really like mad at Red Velvet for like, I guess, causing her to need to beat her up and potentially break her heel. I just thought that was funny. She got really pissed about it. Jade is very dominant and scary. Yeah, this Jade Cargill's growing on me. She is so strong. I believe I just, she could kill someone. I, yeah, like I'm. I I've never seen abs like that. They're amazing. Uh, uh, I would be terrified if I had I, to like go up against her. Yeah, she's. She could like bench press you with it, her abs. <laughs> yeah. Like yes. wouldn't even need her arms. Like could like crush just you. abs. <laughs> yeah. I I'm really hoping she, you know, gets practice and stuff and becomes uh, you know, a better wrestler just because she's so green. Because she has the look down and she, she could be so like such a big star. So good for her. Um we get a brief promo video of Ethan Page and it turns out Scorpio Sky because I guess they have the same complaints and that is that AEW has given them the opportunity to be there and be great but they haven't held up their end of the deal on that one. So, you know, they are the star power that was brought in but they're not being allowed to have opportunities to show that. Um, so I guess that they're teaming up on AE Dark Elevation on Monday because that's when they're going to start taking everything that they want and much like Lance Archer I guess that means like time on television or on YouTube <laughs> I don't yeah. uh, 
AU Dark Elevation. Honestly, I think this is, I mean, aside from the ridiculousness of Ethan Page complaining about uh, his the way he's been used after being here for three weeks, um, <laughs> I I think that the way just the way this company is set up, I feel like there's more upward mobility as a tag team right now than as a single. So if they can if they can like put together like a, an interesting team, then you know, and then rack up some wins on dark. And if they get over, then I could see them becoming a regular act on dynamite at that point where, whereas like there doesn't really seem to be a spot for either of them right now as singles guys. There should be a spot for Scorpio is all I'm saying. I mean, I agree with you, but there's, there's clearly not. Yeah, there should be a spot for him, but I think I agree with Andy. Jenny, he has more potential to move up in the company if he's in a tag team and his tag team currently has the stipulation that like, if they lose, they're all going to break up. So I guess he had to find a new tag team. And also, like, when's the last time we saw him associate with SCU, with the rest of SCU, even, you know? Yeah. It's I, been before, I, before his, like, injury that took him out for a few weeks there, you know? Yeah, so because... I mean, I don't think it's been this year. I think he was planning pre-injury to actually try to do a singles run, and maybe they had bigger plans for him, but it seems like... That sort of all got stopped, and and now it is what it is. But I'm okay with this tag team. Honestly, I think Scorpio does well in a tag team. And Ethan Page kind of needs something to do. Yeah. Now, Megan, uh, I, was, I was watching this with Jenny on Wednesday night, and um, she, quickly, she quickly pointed out to me that, like, well, yeah, but, like, not compared to Scorpio, uh, when I when I said, "Man, Ethan Page is a handsome guy," <laughs> because when I said, "No one's going to be looking at him," yeah, <laughs> but tag team. but he is like he's like this is a good looking tag team. Yeah, no offense to Kaz and Daniels, um, but they are the older gentlemen of that group, and so Scorpio found himself a new younger partner to tag with. Yeah. Trying to find the last time SEU teamed up. It had to have been last year. September 24th, 2020. All right. It was, they, they lost, they got Frankie and Scorpio got a title shot at F, FTR and they lost. Just double check with Christopher to yeah. make sure it wasn't a, I, I think. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, honestly. that was July second. So the last time there was a there was a uh, the last time there was an SCU trios match was Fighter Fest 2020 Night Two, which was July second. Wow. Okay. That's, That's all right. Well, this is I'm okay with this. Like Scorpio getting opportunities and. Ethan Page, I, I still don't really know what to think of Ethan Page because he's been in like one match outside of his debut on the pay-per-view and and really nothing since. Unless it, he's been on Dark, which basically doesn't exist for me anymore. Sorry, Dark. Well, now it's doubled. Yeah, two Darks. He has a vlog, so I might have to add that into the vlog rotation. Um, oh, okay. You know, just to see what's going on. Ethan Page? or Ethan Page, yeah. All right. Jenny got 
Jenny's interest was peaked for a second. She thought it might be Scorpio Sky. It was. I would watch a Scorpio Sky vlog. It would just be all about wine and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I mean, I could wow, Andy. Kobe stuff. It's like you thought you were describing something bad. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Back to the show. Uh, we got John Moxley. He is somewhere backstage, pacing around like a cage animal. Apparently, there's like a lot of stuff bothering him at the moment. This is peak John Moxley. He's being weird. I love it so much. Do you know what he is, Megan? What? He's pissed. <laughs> That's true. He is pissed. He's, there's a lot of things that he should be pissed about. Yeah. Um, for one, first of all, he can't get the sound of Eddie Kingston's ankle being broken out of his head, which is, like, so disgusting to me. Get that out of your head. Uh, two, the Young Bucks as people confuse him, which does not surprise me, but I find it hilarious how he's, like, really unsure of what they're going to do, and he just can't do the math on them. Um, and, you know, third and fourthly, it's hot here in Florida, and he's got a headache. I think would piss anyone off yeah. um, So He's got all that going on It's a lot but also coming up He's got a match with Cesar Bononi And to John's credit He says you know He's a big dude he looks like he can make them good money But unfortunately Not if I kill him And I'm ready to kill somebody <laughs> And True. so that that leads us Into that match He said he's gonna somebody's gonna get dropped on their head And somebody's gonna get choked out and he was right, and it was two different people. Somebody's going to hospital. Somebody's going to jail. In a New York minute. <laughs> There's a lot of singing on tonight's episode, I gotta say. I like it. Uh, but yeah, okay, so John Moxley gets to face Cesar Bononi, which is a very confusing combination to me. It tells me that they really want to make Cesar happen. And to Moxley's credit, like... Ooh. He's very good at putting people over. He's good at putting people over. Also, they they like this thing where they like Mox is a bit is Mox is a good sized dude. They really like to put him in there with bigger dudes. I, I don't know exactly why. It's great. It it always works. It's a good visual. Um, but yeah, like Moxley's the guy who goes in there and uh, fights the meat men. Yeah, and he's like a full head or so, like shorter than Benoni. Megan, when they were standing face to face, yeah, I for a second thought that because John was so much shorter, I thought it was a forced perspective thing, and Benoni was actually standing closer to the camera, and then I had to realize, like, oh no, they're on the same plane. <laughs> <laughs> so John Moxley is billed as six four. I doubt he's six four, which cannot be true because he was like a full head shorter than Caesar Benoni. Sorry. C-E-Z-A-R. And while you're Googling that, I will point out, too, that Adam Page, when he was up against... Was it Benoni? He was up against Benoni. Uh, yeah, because yeah. he did... The, they're trying to get him over, clearly. Um, but he, he, had, too, he had less trouble with Benoni than John did, actually. Yeah, which, like, don't get me started. But when they <laughs> st stood face-to-face, -face, I was struck by how short Adam looked compared to Benoni. Because Adam's a big boy. Okay, so Caesar Benoni is supposed to be 6'6", which I believe. 6'6 okay. seems real for Caesar Benoni. 
But John Moxley is not six four. If Caesar Bononi is six six, no, he was a full head smaller than him. Like six foot even is not too shabby either, John. Like, yeah, well, that's, that's what Adam Page's height is. So okay. I bet I bet, I bet Mox John is, I bet Mox is six one or six two. Okay, yeah, there, it's just a striking difference between all three of those men. Um, but like, man, John Moxley, uh, I would say he pulled a, a halfway decent match out of this man. I and I I really like the classic Moxley, like weird mannerisms and like like when he sort of um, is like punch drunk, like tipping over and just, fall, <laughs> just falling down and rolling out of the ring. I, I don't know. I like the Moxley-isms. Um, but yeah, I didn't think Pannoni looked too bad. Uh, he also... I guess is best friends with Ryan Nemeth and JD Drake because they were on the outside of the ring to try and help him. But um, Nemeth pretty much got paradigm shifted. That was all he could do. Nemeth and needs to rethink his tanning strategy. He is so orange. I've never see like even Trent has never been that color. Like no, Trent still remains sort of human colored. <laughs> I think like. I think like late eighties to early nineties, Hulk Hogan is the only true corollary for what Nick or for what Ryan Nemeth was had going on on uh, you Wednesday. You are so accurate. Yeah, he glowed. He was so orange. Horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. What happened to Pretty Peter? I don't know. Cause you know, weren't they doing the pretty picture thing? Is that what they were yeah. called? Yeah. That always guy. makes hope... me think of like an 80s metal band or something. I hope he doesn't have the vid. Oh, Peter, no. <laughs> He's an athlete. He'll be fine. <laughs> Fingers crossed that he doesn't yeah. have it. But yeah, that was... um. This match lasted longer than I expected, and Benoni got more offense than I expected, but good for Mox for doing the job, and uh, he got the win. But, so he didn't know. do the job. Well, he did the job of making Cesar <laughs> Bononi look competent. Right. <laughs> but he didn't do the job job. I would lose confidence in Moxley if he had to do the job to Bononi. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good look. No. Another not good look is perhaps what's going on in Team Taz. Team Taz. You, you know who has a really good look in this segment, though? Is it Hook? <laughs> well, Hook has a good look. Yeah, it's like Hook in his fucking fanny pack. It's leather. I died. I, I like he's in a. Can, can you still say white beater? I mean, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> Just say like man tank top. Man tank white man tank top. I I wasn't sure what they called those nowadays. I was pretty sure my terminology was outdated and awful. Um, and. And a leather black fanny pack with the big hat on, too. And a baseball. Yeah, yeah, he was, like, covering his face and eyes. I, and man-spreading, like. He had his own chair, so it was okay. It's like, you're not pushing somebody aside, but still, like, to camera. We just get a crotch shot. Man, I fucking love Hook. <laughs> he is such a little douchebag. I think he's doing his job well. 
when do we get to see him wrestle though that's my know. question I mean, he's not yeah. ready yeah i don't even think he's been suplexed in motherfuckers on dark lately so that's too bad <laughs> he spent the whole segment just fucking around on his phone that yeah. was that was his job yeah totally um and it's i'm sorry I, we just watched drive to survive and um the Ferrari like PR person was talking with Leclerc and Vettel saying like, now when you do interviews, like, please stay off of your phone. And she's talking to both of them. And I'm just like, this is not a Vettel thing. Like Vettel probably doesn't even have like a smartphone. And Leclerc's like, but like when Seb's talking, like I already know the answer. He just says the same thing. I'm just like Leclerc. Oh my like, gosh. You're being paid millions of dollars. You can stay <laughs> off your phone for five minutes. Seriously, it's rude. It's rude, people. But Hook, Ricky, Hook Ricky Starks had a good thing. look in this segment too. Just a real, real. He's like Bahama casual. I I don't even know what to call it. Like beach. Smiling, smiling so insincerely. He's so good at it. He's so good at being kind of a bitch, like <laughs> passive aggressive, bitchy comments. I love him so much. So what good. What do you guys think's gonna happen? I think I think Brian Cage is going to turn babyface off of this, and and uh, you know that's we got Cage out on the outside. But then who do you get? Like then Team Taz is pretty weak because you've got they've Hook got and Powerhouse Hobbs. Hobbs, who is very strong. Yeah. Yeah. Like he could slide into like the muscle man role in that yeah. group. I mean, and like within three weeks of Hook debuting, he's going to be world champion. So don't even worry about it. Oh, good boy! He's going to be FTW world champion. God, Hook. Okay, we kind of buried the lead, but what happened here was another intense conversation between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage because they're pissed at each other. Uh, Ricky Starks has the fakest smile ever known to man on his face. Taz is like, "We're doing great." Everything is super cool here at Team Taz headquarters. Bullet Club is fine. Yeah, Bullet Club is fine. Team Taz is fine. It's all good. Uh, I Ricky Starks is like, let me just cut in here. He says he wants to let everyone know that whatever happened last night on Dark, which we didn't watch, but whatever happened, it felt like the old Team Taz was you know back. And also, he adds, I'm totally cool with everybody. Despite what may have happened in the past, I forgive. Just so clearly a lie, because he's so clearly pissed, and he eyes Brian Cage when he says this. And then he goes, hey, Brian Cage, what were your thoughts on last night's match? And um, I feel like we really needed some sort of replay or context of what happened in this match. We don't get it. But Brian Cage stands up, he looks annoyed, and he makes some implication that, like, Ricky should have made a save earlier in the match. So I'm assuming they're not helping each other because they hate each other. And it looks like they're about to get into it. But Taz is like, once again, I say team Taz is great. We're all great. And then Ricky and Brian separate and sit down. And that's the end of the segment. And I truly believe that team Taz has, has it in them to go for years together. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Hook is the glue that will keep them together. Yeah. There's probably glue in that fanny pack. The hook brings you back. <laughs> I love it. Tony, license that song. Yeah. Get on it. 
What if that's his debut? What if one day we're watching Dynamite and that music hits? John Popper on the John Popper on the stage, (laughs) just like going crazy on the mouth harp. Yeah. And then Hook just runs out doing like Rocky like arms. It makes no sense, but I want to see it. I mean, anything's possible now that like the true forbidden door is Tony Khan, like opening up music licensing for these people. <laughs> like, it's just like, Oh, what's going to be next? Get your quest in before he moves on to something else. Mm-hmm. Come on people. All right. Well, speaking of um, throwing money around, MJF's got money to throw around and he's got oh, a yeah. gift for the pinnacle. And honestly, like, this gift is dumb. Um, but he says... No way! He says he's brought in a personal stylist for the group. A personal stylist who holds up an option board, and it's basically just different shades of navy blue. Yeah, but you weren't there to feel them, Megan. But, but okay. Megan, if this personal stylist had been here three weeks ago, we would have gotten the solid white crisp shirt underneath the cobalt blue suit. That's he true. known. FTR's right. game would have been upped. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I apologize. And I'm sure the texture on the fabrics were very different. But to me, I was like, look at that boo board, boo, the mood board of like navy blue options. And it was like a hundred of them. I didn't know there were so many shades of navy blue. It doesn't matter though. That's just one aspect of this gift. The second part is that he is also bringing in an interior decorator to basically redo the trashy trashy inner circle dressing room that they stole you know so they're gonna make it their own and part of that is cleaning up those gross ass bathrooms mjf opens the door to show us how gross the bathrooms are and i swear to god the inner circle is doing the best posing i've ever seen anyone do he opens it. They're standing there. Chris Jericho has like his arms crossed and his like the rest of the inner circle is behind him. And they are all looking intimidating. And MJF's like, oh, and he just does that thing. in like cartoons where he shuts the door and that means it's not there anymore. And then he looks at the others and he goes, we got to go. And then they head to the exit. But who's there? Jake Hager. And Hager's like, all right, time to start this thing. And it just like devolves into a beat down on everyone. And they all kind of go their separate ways. Like, um, Sammy chases Sean Spears. Well, not chases. I mean, they're fighting. But he ga- basically, like, takes him down the hallway and slams him into a door. Takes him out. And then Hager. big, need to go to sleep inverted thing. And yes. And then, uh, yeah. Did he slam his head in the door? Yes. Or... That was after okay. that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Spears is gone. Hager obviously goes after the big boy Wardlow. And he ends up taking him back into, like, the, um. The trainer's I guess, room. Yeah, I guess like the therapy place because he puts him through a massage table. So Wardlow's yeah. out. Santana and Ortiz take FTR and Tully into that garden area where the ice bath is. And um, I believe it's Cash who gets thrown into the ice bath. And then Dax actually gets split open when Cash. San- Santana hits him with like outdoor seating. <laughs> Cash got the good part of that bargain, even though he was uh, like, it didn't look like it at first because those ice baths must suck. But once I saw like, yeah, Dax, D- poor Dax took some stitches afterwards. Mm. I was going to was. So that was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it looked really intense compared to when they cut themselves open. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. there And I, I think also uh, Santana 
maybe and Ortiz both had a minute of like punching Tully, but it was far enough away that, you know, they're not actually going to punch an old man. Right, but yeah. he was he was out there. And then finally, the coup de grace. Jericho sticks MJF's head in the toilet of the bathroom <laughs> that he was complaining about. And then he puts him through the front of their drink cooler and he pulls out a bottle of a little bit of the bubbly, makes sure to turn it so that you can see the label. And then he poured it on MJF while he was still stuck in the drink cooler thing. And then they toss him out and they're like, this is our dressing room, bitch. And they pull the sign down and put the inner circle sign back up. So they have reclaimed what MJF took. So I liked this other than the blood. Mm-hmm. But it was no Dippin' Dots brawl. I was just about to ask you: Does this was did this <laughs> live up to the um, the inner circle in the press box mm-hmm. getting uh, attacked by the Nightmare Family? For me, that's the pinnacle, but not the group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I that was so exciting when it happened. I'd have to rewatch it. Um, but I loved this. I just thought I thought this ruled. Um, it was shot really well too. Very like cinematic. Oh yeah, this was really fun. Uh, I do think maybe the uh, the one before that was kind of cool because I just remember vividly Jericho hiding them in the like the part of the box where the door shuts and yeah. Cody and them just like pounding on it. I thought that was really funny because he's like no. <laughs> Um, and obviously the Dippin' Dots were a big cultural moment. So, And then, like, Jericho screaming, like, I have a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny, too. <laughs> and someone used, like, a scarf around their hand. Cody did, to break to, the like, window. Break to break the, the window. The I liked door, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I liked this, too. I just, like, I still think the other one was a little bit better. It was really good. I was hyped to see the Inner Circle. Uh, I know they were back together, but they got pr- their asses handed to them. Like yeah. a couple weeks ago, so it was good to see them kind of making a stand. Yeah, it was it was super effective. I'm really excited to see this feud now. Yeah, definitely. Um, after all that excitement, we uh, kind of tone it down. We go backstage where Alex Marvez is talking to the Young Bucks. He mentions that there was like a pretty tough loss last week, obviously, and he asks, "Hey, what's going on with you and Kenny Omega?" And Matt starts to deflect and say he doesn't want to talk about it but naturally Don Callis has to show up and he's like we should talk about it and at this point Don shoes away Alex Marvez who basically gets shooed away by everyone poor guy status interviewer he gets tossed away and then Nick just decides I don't want to do this gets disgusted and leaves so it's Don and Matt and Don says hear me out Matt I thought you loved Kenny Omega But last week, what you did broke his heart. And Kenny had to make a choice, and he chose based on family. And you and your brother chose to abandon him. And so he's, you know, heartbroken. Very tough for Kenny. Don calls Matt cold and dead inside and slaps him in the face, clearly trying to bait him. And then Matt grabs Don's lapel as if he's going to hit them or hit him. But he manages to control his anger, lets him go. And Don then ridicules him for being empty inside and doing nothing before walking away. So Don Callis really trying to stir the shit. Matt I thought really he made some valid to- points at the beginning about <laughs> Kenny's friendship with Matt. Like, 
I'm just thinking like classic BTE days where Kenny did always put the Bucks first and the Bucks did not. The Bucks replaced him with Cody. So I understand why Kenny might be a little better, but I hate Don Callis. Really? I think he's so great at what he's here to do. <laughs> he's such a good shit bag. <laughs> he was pretty good at that. Uh, yeah, this is good. Uh, I do. I did like the implication that uh, Nick is not an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick, who has three children, three children <laughs> and a compound. Yeah. You know, but he's still not just there yet. <laughs> yeah, he's getting there. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, Matt, uh, Matt got really mad. He was shaking with anger. That's kind of a an intense Matt. He's usually so fun and uh, doing his corny acting. So this is part of his corny acting. This is the but, same like anger. That I he like does as part of his corny acting. I like the corny acting where he looks at the camera like whenever Big Money Matt would come over and start telling him about, you know. But that how- was also shaking with anger. Yeah, but he was like twitchy. It was funny. Right. Right. That's fair. So, uh, Don Callis being Don Callis, I guess we'll see how he tries to push them as we move forward. But he clearly, clearly wants them to make a move. And, you know, I don't, I don't really know what his deal is. After that, we get a pretty cool trios match. Uh, Lucha Brothers, once again, team with the Laredo Kid to face the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. Uh, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega get the win. Kenny pins Laredo Kid, which, like, poor Laredo Kid. You're obviously the one who's going to eat a pin in this scenario, but I think he's still pretty cool. Um, Kenny did the one wing and Angel, so you know he's not going to kick out of that. There were... So many high spots and fun things throughout this match that I I didn't bother writing them all down, but um, this was just a very cool trios match to me. Like these these teams worked really well together, and uh, I think the Lucha Bros are awesome, and I think Laredo Kid is really cool, and hopefully he gets to stick around. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, uh, you know, the Good Brothers didn't annoy me too much and Kenny's great at being a heel that's the extent of it I think yeah I you know I would never wish an injury on anyone but uh it's been kind of fortuitous that Pac had to take a few weeks off here and you know the, the necessitated Laredo kid coming in to fill in in his spot you know because he's he's had a great couple of weeks here yeah, I kind of felt like a weird tinge of guilt being like, I really like having Laredo Kid stand in for a pack because I think Death Triangle is awesome, but I do like this combination of them. They called them Death Triangle, so I think, you know, Laredo Kid's just like a Death Triangle uh, sub, honorary member. It's like when... um. When Roman was out and uh, like Triple H filled in as an honorary Shield member for, for those house shows that one time. Yeah, but then yeah. look how that turned out in the end. <laughs> um, yeah, this match was great. Uh, there was a spot where Phoenix did his his usual uh, rope running kick, but this was by far the furthest he's ever made it across the ropes without falling off, and <laughs> he made it so far. 
that you never actually saw him fall off. He just disappeared out of the camera frame, so he could still be running the ropes for all I know. <laughs> I would like to believe he is somewhere, yeah. just circles. Yeah. The, um, also, like the Rito kid did a tope, and he he hit Kenny with it, but he didn't hit it head on. He after he cleared the ropes, he flipped. Yeah. And hit Kenny vertically, which was something I don't think I'd ever seen before. And I think it was intentional. I think he just has incredible body control. And I wonder if if that is, not only does it look cool and different, but maybe it also is easier to catch. You think, because you're kind of, you've got more to work with if, yeah. if he's coming at you that way versus like head first, which always seems super dangerous. I know it's called a tope suicida, but realistically, like, please don't kill yourself. Um, but yeah, I I noticed that too. It looked really cool and controlled in a way that I don't think it was a mistake. Yeah. So. And speaking of killing yourself, like Phoenix early on in the match took this bump <laughs> off of a of a, a Carl Anderson uh, running kick, where he he took the he took the kick by landing on his neck. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it was totally insane. Phoenix, yeah. be careful, please. Yeah, this match was great. Um, I continue to really love Doc Gallows working with smaller guys. He sell it's like he knows the perfect amount that a man his size should sell for people half his size. He doesn't overdo it, but he doesn't no sell everything either. He's he's actually really good in the ring. Yeah, and I'm assuming that a lot of that comes from his time in Japan where mm-hmm. a lot of people he's worked with are probably smaller than him. Everybody pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I agree. I, I really, I don't mind the good brothers in the ring. No, I just good hate team. when they talk. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's where I'm coming from. But yeah, it's, it, this one was super fun. I really liked it. Um, and afterwards we get John Moxley sauntering out onto the stage he's already had a match this evening so it might not be wise of him to approach these men but he's definitely thrown himself into um bad odds before but luckily once he gets to the ring rope the young bucks walk out and they even up the odds and so when the three of them step into the ring the good brothers and kenny just immediately retreat they don't even try so there's no there's no fighting, but uh, it's clear that the sight of these three together intimidate the bad guys. And they're doing this match next week, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. There was a part of me that was worried the Young Bucks were coming out, and then they were going to hit Moxley or something. Me too. I, th- I thought for like <laughs> for like a second, like, oh, this might not go well. But but no, they, you know, it makes sense. They They are actually on Mox's side here. Which makes, which, you know, and they saved Mox from Kenny a couple of times, so it's consistent. I think they want their old friend Kenny back and not this version of Kenny back. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Um, so we'll see. But that should be a, a an awesome match. Very excited for that. Uh, right so after their friend oh. back, do you think the Bucks are going to turn? I don't know. I think know. they want to bring him to the... The light side, don't you? Yeah. So are the Bucks because... never going to turn then? Because they've teased it a few times. No, I think they probably will turn at some point. They're good at being heels. Um, 
I kind of think that there is going to be a big reunion of the elite, including Cody, at some point. Um, but I think they should probably wait for full arenas and stuff. And maybe they can finally do that big blood and guts match that they were going to do last year with the elite yeah. versus some super heel team. I mean, if you piss off somebody by abandoning them, say the good brothers and maybe anyone else they could pull in. Yeah. Because Adam's a face right now. Cody, I guess is a face. I mean, he's mostly just an EVP. Yeah. <laughs> like he's whatever he needs to be given the opponent. <laughs> Yeah, the Bucks are faces. It seems easier to try and get Kenny to be on their good side than to all of a sudden switch all of them over to the bad side. Yeah. But we'll see. For now, we've got Britt Baker here. Rebel's with her. She's texting Tony. Where are you? Probably at the desk, like a chump. Not like your job or anything. <laughs> so since Tony's not there, Rebel has to stand in for him. And... uh she basically like says, Hey Brit, what are you doing? Uh, what, what are you up to these days? And Brit's like, Hey, the new AEW dark revolution show is the perfect platform for Thunder Rosa to get her wins in. Because, um, if you'll remember the lights out unsanctioned match that they had, that was the best match ever, uh, didn't actually count Thunder Rosa won, but she doesn't get anything to show from that. So Brit's, like, you know what, Thunder Rosa, if you want to come get me, definitely build up your wins on that show that's on YouTube. I'll be here on the main show doing my thing. And, uh, you know, we'll see you when you get here. But she seems non-threatened at this moment. Yeah. yeah. Good promo, as usual. Yep. Brit is, uh, Brit is good at it. After that, we get a women's match. It is the Bunny teaming up with Nyla Rose to face Tay, Conti, and Hikaru Shida. Um, the Bunny and Nyla Rose have somewhat of a tenuous relationship. Early on, I believe Nyla pushes her away so that she can take on Tay, Conti, and Hikaru Shida herself, because that's how Nyla rolls. Uh, but eventually they get it together, and actually, eventually, the Bunny is the one who gets the win um, she pins Tay unfortunately, with her move down the rabbit hole. Um, but this comes after Vicky distracts Aubrey Edwards, the ref, um, so that the bunny can pick up Hikaru Shida's kendo stick and hit Tay with it. And that seems pretty unfair, but that's where we're at. So uh, I thought this was a pretty fun match. Um, we have both teams having their entourages on the outside with them. Matt Hardy and company is there for the bunny because the butcher and the blade are there. And uh, Dark Order is there for Tay Conti, and I guess by extension, Hikaru Shida. But um, they don't come in until the end when Hikaru Shida starts to, like, get into words with Matt Hardy. Or no, Tay Conti has words with Matt Hardy, and then it all erupts into this weird, big chaos brawl. So... What did you think, Jenny? I thought it was a pretty fun match. Right? I, yeah. I I like that we're getting some better women's matches. I like the bunny. I always have like the bunny. Um so yeah. I and, and like they saved Taikante because it was clearly an illegal move. 
with the kento stick. Yeah, yeah, she didn't get beat outright. She got she got screwed over. So right. I, I don't. They weren't gonna have Hikaru Shida get pinned. I didn't think. I still don't understand why Matt Hardy is all of a sudden with the butcher and the blade and the butt. Like I don't I don't know. It's just like it's a lot of Matt Hardy for me. <laughs> Because he's getting 30% of their income, Jenny. He has to bring on more people to get more income. I guess. But, I mean, isn't that income that Adam Page technically was getting at the time? Uh, technically, but if you remember, April 1st. I mean, you're the fiscal well, person, yeah, right? Yeah, but the show was the 31st. It was, but, I mean, moving forward, he's got them on board. So, I guess... That's true. The more they do, the more he gains. Although I do assume that at some point they're going to turn on him. Because private parties seem like nice boys. The Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny seem like they don't give a shit and they will. I mean, the Bunny tried to poison uh, somebody on BT. Brandon, maybe? Yeah, and like the Butcher has all those Butcher knives? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a butcher. Yeah. True. <laughs> yes, the butcher does have butcher knives, and his partner is called the blade, which is also, you know, a knife. Uh, so yeah, it's like knife city over there. They're looking to stab someone. Maybe it'll be Matt Hardy. We'll see. Andy, what did you think of the match? I'm sure you had strong opinions about seeing Ty Conti, like negative one does. Wow, cold out. Um. I'm not going to deny it. He felt those uh, strong opinions. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about the booking here. Like, it seems like it seems like the standard kind of you give the bunny a little bit of credibility so that Ty can beat her on the next dynamite. So I don't know. I feel like you could have just uh, not had Ty lose. <laughs> but they weren't well, going to let Hikaru Shida lose, right? Well, no, I mean, you, you just, just beat the bunny. You can beat the bunny as many times as you need to. But they want to give bunny a push. A little hop-hop, if you will. All right, well, that push is coming off the rails on next Wednesday when she loses to Ty Conti. <laughs> Negative one will be out there cheering. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess... I, is the bunny going to be, like, become... Um, I don't want to say a major player, but a player in the women's division more so than she has been, which is basically nothing. Is that what's happening here? I I hope so. I hope they're gonna like let her wrestle, and I hope they let Penelope Ford like become a major. Like they're good. Like I think being paired with uh, Matt Hardy can only be good for her as far as getting more screen time. Yeah, much to Jenny's chagrin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I do wish Penelope Ford would get more time, too. If we're talking women's division, you're holding back some of the more talented ones, just saying. And they're great at being, like, managers and stuff, too, but they're not even really... Like, they're great at what they're doing with the character stuff, but, like, they're also good wrestlers, so love them wrestling. should be Penelope's manager. We all know that to be true. I really hope that's the shift that they do once he and Miro break up, that, like, he'll just manage... Penelope. Yeah, definitely. 
I think he would do. I think that's the better dynamic. I feel like he has shown he's he's totally willing to take on that role. I mean, good lord, he gets to go out there and like make out with his girlfriend on live TV. Who cares if he's the one wrestling or she is? Yeah. Be the one to to get beat up by girls. It's fine. It's fine. All right, we're almost to the main event. There's one more thing before that, and that is the Jurassic Express promo um, because they have a match with Bear Country or against Bear Country next week. Jungle Boy opens with, hey, Bear Country, you big stupid animals. Luchasaurus is insulted. He says, mammals. Mammals. Because bears are mammals. I mean, but so are humans, who are his partners. I'm Maybe insulted was wrong. Appalled. I mean, he's got a master's degree. A PhD. I forget. He's got a lot of degrees. Um, so Jungle Boy's like, sorry, mammals. And then he says, you know, bear country, you got no problem throwing our boy Marco around. So this time when we face each other, you're going to have to deal with someone a little bigger. And he points to Luchasaurus. And apparently this match is sponsored by the new Godzilla vs. Kong movie. Um, And so naturally Jurassic Express is Team Dinosaur because they have a dinosaur. So they are Godzilla. But apparently Marco Stunt has a gigantic Kong forearm forearm tattoo that he must have gotten recently and that now he's like worried to show his team. And when they see it, they're like, dude, what the hell? We're Team Lizard over here. Um, And then Marco is like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Are, Are Godzilla and Kong different? I thought they were the same thing. Yeah. Well, it's 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 good that you asked that question because I'm calling my shot right here on the air. Tomorrow night in our normal like uh you know, like movie watching that uh we do with Megan on Saturdays. My pick and it's it is one of the turns is mine is Godzilla versus Kong on HBO Max. We're watching a movie with Lori. Oh shit. But hey, you save that energy for the week after. Oh, damn it. All right, fine. Oh, that, I, I forgot about that. I need to confirm times with her. Oh, man. All right, well, let's so just... Maybe, let's, maybe it'll be... Let's move on. Let's move on. I do want to see Godzilla vs. Kong, though. Looks pretty fun. Yeah. But So they're different? Yeah, one is a giant ape, the other is a giant lizard. Yeah. And Godzilla comes from the ocean, right? Yeah. Comes out of the ocean. Skull Island. Skull Island. Island. Skull Island. I mean, that's surrounded by ocean. It is, yeah. Maybe that's how they come to fight. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, All right. So that's next week. Um, Now we have arrived the main event, the Arcade Anarchy match, where the only way to win is by pinfall or submission. I guess that means if you pass out, you still aren't technically losing. I don't know. They made a big deal of saying it. Um, (laughs) A lot of stuff happens during this match. Uh, Final outcome, the best friends win. Chuck pins Kip after putting him through a pile of tables on the side of the stage. But realistically, the buildup to that is way better. Um, Miro is a big threat here. Chuck and Orange spend a lot of time trying to take him out of the match. Well, we'll set the stage because, you know, we had like... There are arcade cabinets surrounding the ring. There's a whack-a-mole set up. There's like there's a prize station where right. you should theoretically have to submit tickets to get the prizes. No, they just take them off. 
the hooks. Yeah, like, but it said like ticket amounts for the yeah. for the weapons that were the prizes. So it I did. was hoping that there would be some kind of skee ball element to this, where they had to like roll the ball up and and then get tickets and then and then you know give them over. Can I just say you've pointed out a huge weakness? There was no skee ball, no sign no. of skee ball anywhere. They probably couldn't get a skee ball uh, rig. <laughs> there. And okay, so you're right. You're right. Let me set the stage. All around the ring. Arcade machines, most of them real, a couple of them not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say most. They Some. didn't destroy the real ones. I'll say that, which is probably for the best because that's a crime. Don't don't destroy real arcade machines. But uh, the whack-a-mole, that so was for CRTs sure not real. So if you see left in the world, it would be a crime to, yeah. I'm saying like they had like Mortal Kombat out there, Killer Instinct 2, like some old-ass machines. Mm-hmm. Um which good for TK for dropping the money to get those, I guess, but don't destroy them. Uh, but you're right. There was a prize table as well. And the prize table has everything you'd want from this sort of prize table. It had a steel chair, chains, barbed wire, a crutch. What I think were nunchucks, I couldn't tell. Um, a trash can lid and a teddy bear, obviously. Yeah. And Benny was, was t- very excited about the teddy bear. I was. Oh, gosh. The teddy bear held secrets. Secrets. Um, and so, yeah, like, that's the setup. And as you said, there were ticket prices on all these prizes, but people just walked up and took them. No yeah. tickets. I was very upset by that. I mean, I feel like there were like, tickets laying on the table, the prize table, like big strands of tickets. And what are you going to do? Well, and I mean, they even you're going to get to it, but they even do a whack-a-mole thing. They should have shot out tickets with that, and then he could have gone and taken them and gotten the thing. That would have required some level of realism to the whack-a-mole table. Guys, once uh, COVID is, like, fully over, I think I think one of us should celebrate our birthday at a roller rink, like at a United Skates of America, if those still exist. I was going to say, do those things, are they still around? I don't know, but if there are, if they do, I would like to, I would like to skate around in one and also um, play the games and... Uh, redeem tickets for prizes such as plastic whistles and such i would say if they existed prior to 2020 they probably no longer (laughs) exist like if 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 they were still hanging in there surely covid killed those right we used to go every year when i was in grade school for like a school trip i don't know what the educational value was i guess it was maybe just a fun trip fun (laughs) yeah I didn't learn anything for sure, but I think part of the charm of those places is um, there's a level of dirty to them <laughs> that I don't know if that will let allow them to exist post COVID because they were grimy. The one we went to, maybe it's just you know the burps of Ohio. Um, it was grimy. Kids were touching everything. You could get pizza and ice cream and then just like skate around with them in hand and touch machines. And you had to skate into the bathroom because you couldn't take your skates off. And so that was fun. I mean, we're girls. We sit down, but I can only imagine the mess in the boys room. Well, and and think about the pee that then makes it onto the roller rink. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The roller rink, which you then fall down on face first. So it's all just a huge mess. And like, and just inherently roller rinks are already 
icky because they have to be greased up, you know, yep. for, for you. And it's just. There was no windows, a perpetual like rave flashing light and <laughs> 90s music, which, you know, lovely. I'm just saying I would love to go back to that time. I don't know that post-COVID we will be allowed to because they had to have been either thoroughly cleaned or burnt to the ground. (laughs) There's no in-between. All I'm saying is, right now, tonight, we are missing at at Skate Zone 71 in Columbus, uh, Friday of April 2nd, 90s throwback adult skate. Fuck. I will yeah. drive up there right now. See you there. Mask <laughs> Doesn't that sound up. fun? Let's do this thing. You were singing yeah. Matchbox 20 earlier, Jenny. You could skate to Matchbox 20. Hell yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking about this now. This, this uh, ski ball ticket thing got me, got my mind uh, racing. Hell yeah. They're doing arcade games while you're in skates. Stupid. So stupid, but I love it. Yeah, totally. There weren't any skates in this match, unfortunately, but there were arcade games. Um, so, like, I gave you the setup. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. Jenny, I have a personal question for you, and that is, was Mira wearing a Misha Tate skort? <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm putting it out there because I noticed it. I mean... Maybe. I think it was probably just likely, like, low um, inseams. I think it was a skort front. It may have been a skort. That's all I'm saying. I'm asking the important questions here. But we can move on to the match, but I just want to put that out there. I I could see Miro, like, getting behind a skort. I could, too. Yeah, fuck it. You slap Dolce Gabbana on it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know what, Megan, I bet you're right. Thank you. I'm excited. All right. So that's one aspect of oh. this match. Okay, this is totally unrelated. But when we were waiting in line to get our vaccine a couple weeks ago, the there was a man in line with a kilt on, and the like person guarding the door was just like, "What you got underneath there?" And it's like, "Whoa, that's an incredibly personal <laughs> question." Yeah. No, he didn't. He, he's he like, said he's, you got this... underneath what I think you got underneath there. No, he didn't. He said <laughs> he said, "Is it a skirt or a kilt?" No, I I think he asked him about. Jenny heard that no. in her head he, as so, what's going on with yes. your junk. So he he said a classless uh, something phobic thing, and you what? Scottish phobic. Scottish phobic thing. And you, uh, in the retelling, now two weeks removed, you have blown it up to a much more egregious <laughs> uh, something phobic uh, uh, thing that that guy said. It was bad enough as it was. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. Hey, you know I mean, what? If he, if he doesn't flash anybody with his junk, he can wear whatever he wants under that kilt. Or right, Megan, not wear. Megan, tell us about all the ways that this match paid off like a fucking slot machine. Oh my god. If you'll recall, listeners, we weren't super excited about this. Thought maybe it was going to be stupid. But it was amazing. Miro, he's a scary boy. But the announce team reminds us he did not want to be here. 
he didn't think this match was worth it, and he was mad that Kip agreed to it. So, you know, Miro's operating off that sense. Um, but he's also super scary. So Chuck and Orange spend a lot of the time early on facing him. I I don't even think we see Kip really after the start for maybe well, five to ten like- minutes put Kip through the whack-a-mole and then it clearly doesn't work. And then, so like Orange has to like redo putting his head through the cardboard. Yeah. He, he put his head through and then he hit him with the thing and Kip was out, but this was further evidence that the whack-a-mole wasn't real or functioning. It was just like a cardboard like box. Um, so Kip, he gets taken out of the mix early on. And then, um, Miro spends time beating people up, but the way Orange and Chuck end up, incapacitating him is literally taking a they knock him down and then they throw a metal barricade on top of him and then they take the prize table and they throw they upturn it and throw that on top of him and then they take the whack-a-mole cabinet which kip has since like fallen out of and they throw that on top of him so miro's buried under a pile of junk orange tries to get the pin at this at this point he just sort of like leans on the junk and is like i'm pinning him he gets the count and Miro is not going to kick out because he's stuck, but Kip comes flying over, and that's when Kip makes his way back into this match. And um, and that looks actually incredibly painful because he, like, throws his, like, you see, like, Miro, like, kind of yelp a little bit, like, and I think that was real. Well, he's buried under a ton of stuff. It honestly is probably very heavy. Yeah. The metal barrier alone would would be uncomfortable. So, but... You know, we leave him there in this pile of junk. Um, and Kip takes them kind of to the other side and and they're going at it. Um, and eventually, like, we get to the point where Penelope steps in. And she she kicks uh, Orange. She has a ball shot. Balls 2021. Just FYI, Jenny. Kicks oh him. my god, we have not done ball watch at all. There hasn't really been a lot to track since, uh, you know, like Ortiz is uh, not not uh, doing any uh, rope biting. Yeah, and we refuse Ooh. to give the Good Brothers any satisfaction. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, Penelope pulls this, and then Orange is like incapacitated, and then Penelope is going to go like pull some shit on him, and who should pop out but BTE love interest. Chris Statlander, who has been out injured for a while and is making a glorious return. She pops out of the UFO catcher, which is just the claw. Yeah. But she's an alien, so it's important to call it by the correct name. And she starts beating up Penelope. Puts her through a hockey table, air hockey table, on the outside of the ring. That was great. Nice to see Chris come back, too. She looked great. Her hair looked good. She had good uh, makeup going. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope... I hope she's ready. She still had the knee brace on, so I don't want her to like re-agitate. But I, I hope think she's you always okay. after an ACL surgery. I think you always have to wear that knee brace. Okay. Like Champa will always have a knee brace on. I, I think it's just a like after you have that major surgery. I think you have to. Yeah. Okay. Well, Champa found creative ways to use it. I'm sure Chris will. Um. So I'm glad to see her back. But, but will Chris know what it is because she's an alien? Well, you know, human doctors, what do they know about alien physiology? That's, That's my question. Probably more than we think. <laughs> the truth is out there. <laughs> so that's one thing that happened. But there is another glorious return. And uh, 
It's Trent, guys. Wait, no, Megan, you skipped over the bear. Oh, did that happen? That did happen pre-Trent. Okay, so much like Chuck is Chuck, instead of picking anything from the wall that is like might be effective at first glance, he picks a teddy bear. And he throws Kip into the ring, and he has the teddy bear. And then you notice that the teddy bear has tape on the back of it. And Chuck rips it open. And inside the teddy bear, I was like, oh, no, it's tax. We're going to get real bloody. No. It's worse. It's Legos. It does have to hurt worse than tax. Like, when you step on a Lego, like, it's, like, it's awful. I think so. Because, like, a tack will just stick in you, and then you just move on. But the Lego... Will not. It's just there. It's just there Lego. to be destroying you. Sometimes the Lego will stick. <laughs> you step on it hard enough. Yeah. Now Tony Schiavone seemed to have a lot of experience with. Yes. With this, he I... was he was acting as if a bag of sharpened knives came out of that of that teddy bear. He's a dad. <clears throat> I'm sure at some yeah. point his kid he's a dad left. Of, he's Legos. a dad of five. Yeah, uh, he. it's like it awakens some, like, latent, horrible PTSD in him that was like, I've stepped on Legos. Yeah. I've woken up in the morning trying to go down to the kitchen and get a glass of orange juice. Just Legos, as far as I can see. I loved it. That was a really good, nice touch. So, yeah, uh, Kip, got, Kip got Chuck up and put him down on the Legos. Powerbombed him onto it after uh, Chuck was trying for a superplex, but he got blocked, and yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Rough times. Okay. Now. Now I will move on to Trent being here. But, Megan, it's better. It's better. It's not just like Trent sauntered in, yeah. obviously. Um, at, at one point, Chuck and Orange, like Miro made his comeback, and then Chuck and Orange got beat up pretty bad. And they were crawling, literally. Like, it looked like they were trying to make a very slow escape up the, like, ramp. They're crawling. And the announce team is like, what are they doing? Where do they think they're going? And then all of a sudden we see headlights in the distance. And there's a a van approaching. And it's a white van. Just like Trent's mom drives. Oh, wait, guys, it is Trent's mom. She's here. And I thought for a minute that Sue was just going to come pick them up and, like, carry them away. (laughs) to safety but no side door opens trent walks out leans down lets his mom give him like kiss on the cheek for good luck and then he's in this match trent is back i didn't know his peck was ready to go but apparently it is i don't know if it is or not but i mean i guess it was enough to do like you know not have to sell anything for like a two minute spurt at the end of a match <laughs> yeah I mean, he made contact with things. It wasn't it wasn't like a totally contact-free segment, but... Yeah, I think he's got to be good to be back or they wouldn't have let him... Like, it, he did stuff. He wasn't just, like, an appearance. Right. Yeah, he put... Uh, he put Miro through a table. A leaned-up table. And that was cool. And, uh... Yeah, like... Good lord. Oh, Miro 
first like dispatched them quickly and then he looked at sue and started waving to her and then like psychotically went towards her van and jumped on the hood and started like pulling at the windshield wipers i think he was gonna kill sue (laughs) i know i was like don't kill sue um but trent saved her so that was a that was a scary moment but trent made the save and ultimately um as andy said trent was only in there for a couple minutes and then Chuck got the win because Trent put Miro through the table so he was incapacitated and then Chuck pinned Kip by throwing like power him or like basically going with him through a pile of tables off off the stage onto a pile of tables that were nearby and it looked like a lot of tables that he yeah. went through and then you know we got a best friends hug with the zoom out it's great. And then Chris Statlander was like, wait, I'm here too. So she got a hug. I don't think there was a zoom out, but there was a hug. And then all four of them from the ring held their, their thumbs up towards Sue. And Sue reached a thumbs up outside the car. And uh, I just just like a very feel-good moment at the end. It was wonderful. I want Sue on every week. No. <laughs> that would get old. Oh, like Sting. Well, I, I, have, I ever, have I ever defended that decision? It's nice, think, nice to hear where is my mind play now. It's okay. Weird. So I love to hear like it's a very known like riff, but you can't understand any of the words in the portion of the song that they picked. So how are people gonna sing along? Google? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be a problem. I think I think people will be singing it within weeks and then when there's arenas full arenas back, it's gonna be like very, very loud. Jericho is going to be jealous. Yeah. Because now there's another song in town. I think, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, like, I am excited for full arenas again, just because I think that'll represent to me that, like, things are getting back to normal. But I think I'm most excited about it because of the pension. Like, there's so much potential for multiple sing-alongs now in AEW. (laughs) I like the sing-alongs. I did make a snarky note at the top um, during the Christian and Kazarian match because the crowd was so into it, but I guess it was all wrestlers. I was like, if this was a full arena, in my notes, I wrote, we'd for sure hear the chant, this is wrestling. And then I would know that this is actually wrestling. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Because sometimes you don't know until they, they tell you. It's unclear. And I'm yeah. so glad the crowd is there to to make sure everyone's aware that the show you're watching, what's happening on screen, it's wrestling. It is wrestling, yeah. Fuck, I hate that chant. So I thought, I don't know, like, I thought at the time when it ended at 10 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday night, and two days later, I'm still thinking, uh, this, I think this might have been my favorite Dynamite. At least of this year, for sure. Yeah. 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 Like, every, I think I think every segment was at least good, and several things, like the Cody and QT angle, the Jerrica, the inner circle pinnacle angle... The six-man tag with the Lucha Brothers and this main event with just all these great payoffs, like Chris Statlander's return and Trent's return with Sue and, like, the big happy ending celebration hug at the end. I just, I felt, I felt so happy when the show ended. I was just like, this show was great. And I felt good watching it. Same. And it ended on such a positive note versus a stupid brawl. With 50 people out there. Sure, yeah. 
Jenny was happy about the limited number of people on the screen. Yeah. The end. So sensational. Really, really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun, like surprisingly fun. Like I don't, I don't think I've disliked a dynamite ever really. I mean, they're not all winners, but I don't think I've actively disliked one. Yeah. But I had low expectations for the match list on this, as you said when we were talking ratings. You're right. On paper, it didn't look awesome, but no. they really managed to surprise on multiple segments. Great show. Great recap, Megan. And uh, speaking of on paper, this is what we've got coming up next week for Dynamite. We've got the Young Bucks and John Moxley versus the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. On paper, good. We've got the Bunny versus Ty Conti. On yeah. paper, I'm okay with that. we got Luchasaurus and the Jungle Boy versus Bear Country in the, uh, the Kong versus Godzilla co-promotional match, which should be fun. Now... And- are you excited for Bear Country? I am. I, I'm not sold on them yet, but I think the potential is there for me to like them a lot because they're two uh, giant men who throw smaller men around. And they wear onesies. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so basically they're like, if they could become my heavy machinery for AEW, then I'd be pretty happy with that. Can one of them do the worm? That's my question. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll find out. One of they're neither are Chris Farley, so it's not gonna. They don't have the charisma. We'll see. I'm okay with Bear Country. I'm excited to see. I that would prefer Bear Country to be an indie folk rock band. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. You're right about that. I mean, you've made that point before. I'm sorry. It, what? Did I remake? No, you're allowed to. It's no, just funny you wanted you want an indie rock band to show up in a wrestling show. Yeah, if this show is not about like recalling things we've said before and taking victory laps on them, I don't know what it is. Uh, and finally, uh, Darby <laughs> Allen defends the TNT title against JD Drake, which is a very random match, but whatever. Who is JD Drake? Okay, he was. I know, a... I know who he is on the, in the context of this show, Andy. But yes. who is he generally? He's a guy who wrestles on Dark fairly regularly. Um, that's Apparently, like, pals around with Ryan Nemeth and uh, what uh, Benoni. Yeah, yeah, and he's you know he's been around since February twenty third, so he's only been around for like six weeks. Okay, I I'm glad they're having Darby be a fighting champion, but this yeah. decision of opponent seems very random to me. But maybe J.D. Drake has something to show us. Maybe. We'll find out. Uh, he's He has a win on Dark over Fuego Del Sol. That's his, that's his soul. <laughs> soul. Uh, that is his lone win in AEW so far. So at least they gave him a win over somebody. But yeah. We'll see. Right. I, I, I expect this to be... I, I expect they made this match for a reason. I feel like they they felt like it would give JD Drake a chance to show out while still obviously losing to Darby. Yeah. So they must know something we don't about him, which is fine, you know, cause I don't know anything about him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, it's such a random choice, but okay. Yeah. Well guys, that is it for this week. Um, next week we would be back with, uh, that dynamite and, uh, my God, 
I'm going to have to watch a lot of wrestling next week. But uh, WrestleMania week. Ooh. And uh, thank you all for listening, as always. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, yes. Thank you, Megan. Cheers. And uh, you've been listening to The Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat. <laughs>